Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Really, like you have to look at at um, Adrian Donahue's family, mm. who spoke outside really, really movingly. His 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 wife in particular, and think that that is where your sympathy has to go. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Killer Aaron Brady is set to appeal his conviction for the capital murder of Garda Adrian Donoghue next October. But in the meantime, an online campaign for his freedom is claiming that he is the victim of a stitch-up and, amongst other inconsistencies, says he was not tall enough to kill a tragic Garda. But what benefit is such a campaign and whose support has it attracted? Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald about the conviction of Aaron Brady and the fight to win back his freedom. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Jumper's a bit too big for you, I'm sorry. I just have to point it out. No, because I'm after having to get you to stand up and pull it down, but the sleeves of it are too long. It's just getting slimmer. And they've had to come in here and feck around that camera about 10 times because to try and make you look like a normal height. No, I'm just getting slimmer and more muscular, I suppose. That is. So my, my cops aren't... Uh, <laughs> I just couldn't help that there. Gr- must be the new runners. I'm just... Somebody got in touch with me and said that I give you an awful time. Well, you do. <laughs> like, you, act, you do. Thank you very much. I felt a bit bad then. I thought, do I give him an awful time? It's water off my back. Yeah. Anyway, you, you probably... Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah. But, uh, but it's all just sort of in a, in a kind of an effort to sort of, you know... Poke, it's like poking the bear, is it? It's just sort of in an effort to trend you up or something. <laughs> like Pat Kenny, trendy. Like, uh, yeah. Um, of course, if anybody wants to view your um, fashions. Maybe can, I should do my own, fashion, on YouTube. my own fashion podcast. We're on YouTube. I was only saying that to you there. Maybe yeah. we should do something, an alternative. I did it once, the Sunday World magazine offered to do it before and after with me. Who, Kiva did, did she? Oh, De- Denise. Denise. <laughs> and did you get insulted? No, I didn't get insulted. I'm, I'm actually have come to realise I'm quite uninsultable for the most part. Obviously, the only bits I yeah did yeah for the most part anyway. My grandmother, um, God rest her, 
yeah. many years ago. She was extremely bold. And the older she got, the more, the bolder she got. She was really was now. Yeah. And um, there was a particular friend of mine that she didn't particularly like, you know, yeah. and she used to make it really obvious. But I remember her going out of her way. She was in the house and she was saying to me, go and get that magazine. Will you? I want to show her exactly. She's the image of this and I knew what she was at yeah. and I was going to where the magazine is I think it's gone to the bin no she's the image I have to show her I have to show her and of course yeah, she herself wanted to see then you know if someone's the image of me I'd say expecting like a Hollywood star or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so the magazine eventually was handed out and it was the before from a before and after what right, yeah. right I thought that was one of the bitchiest things yeah. a woman in their late 80s could have possibly done that's one of the and the then old, the Dothery old. sort of no I just yeah, thought it looked know, like you. Yeah, that's one of the few benefits of getting older. I know. I always reckon I'm going to be one of those. <laughs> Definitely going to be one of those. Yeah, you're pretty much. You're pretty much nearly there already. Anyway, <laughs> don't need to get old. Oh, no. Anyway, we're going to talk about something much more serious than all that about Aaron Brady, um, and of course we had a story recently which was more a picture of him. He had an appointment in hospital, and we we're able to see him for the first time since he's gone into prison. And Aaron Brady looks to me like the classic jailbird in yeah. that he's obviously spending his whole day in the gym. Yeah. Um, looks very bulked built up, up, bulked up. Yeah. And, um, you know, amazingly then um, the pictures came out in the front. We use them in the paper, I think, and then later online. But um, very quickly, I was alerted to uh, something I didn't realize existed, but it was called, it's a Facebook site and it's a campaign for Aaron Brady run by his father. Run by his father and other members of his family are involved as well. And it was interestingly thanking me yeah. for, uh, well, I wouldn't say it was quite that, maybe that friendly, but it no, was it sort was of slightly... pointing out that I had uh, helped with their cause and their campaign because by pointing out and by using photographs of Aaron Brady, who was standing flanked by prison officers, I had proved their point. They said that he wasn't tall enough to have committed murder. No. So, I mean, the, the, the I think it's called the Justice for Aaron Brady campaign is, has been going really almost straight away after his sentencing and conviction. Um, it's been, it's quite uh, professionally run and certainly very dedicated. Like sometimes you do get these campaigns and they fall off after yeah. a couple of weeks, but there's been, it's mostly uh, done through YouTube and, and Facebook. And so how long has he been in jail for? Well, he was, I mean, he was obviously on remand for a period, he was on bail for a period of time, and then he was in, in obviously in He was prison. extradited from the US. Extradited from the US um, in, was 2017? That long? Yeah. Um, and he was, he was tried in 2020? He was, tr he was tried in 20, convicted in, in 2020. So he's, he's in, in jail since his extradition? Or I think he's in jail since his extradition since because he, there was another uh, charge that was dealt with, I think, then mm -hmm. subsequently. Um, so, I mean, he's been in, in jail for that period of time anyway. Yeah. He was ultimately obviously convicted of the murder of Garda Adrian Donoghue and he was, um, it's, he was sentenced to, which because it's a capital crime, as it's called, um, he was given a minimum sentence of 40 years. So he's a long time ahead of him in, in prison. Yeah. I mean, that murder was um, horrific, as all murders are. But it was something that we just didn't think, we just don't expect to see that 
in this country, mm. a guard being shot dead in the course of their duty since the 1990s. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a particularly senseless murder, if you if you mm. want, not to say that there is any murder that, is, that isn't senseless, but I mean, there was the sum of money was a paltry amount. I think it was 7,000 euros. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, there. He, you know, it was a, a very kind of routine robbery, if you mm. want. And obviously a serving guard, a sort of hero in the community, I think it's fair to say, lost his life for very, very little. Um, but it was... Um, As a know, father of two very young children at the time, um, it happened. And there was they, no, I suppose, threat against the raiders. It wasn't one of those situations no, no. Where, where it could kind of... Why did they shoot? Well, I mean, I don't think that's ever become clear. Yeah. And um, obviously, the motive, part of the trial of Aaron Brady, um, part of the motive that was described in court by the prosecution was a motive for money that Aaron Brady had been involved in a in a court case that he was in need of cash and that there were some text messages shown mm. to show he he needed this money, but there was no real explanation about why somebody fired on a on a guard officer at that point. And we just remind ourselves about what happened, right? Because it was 2013 and Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue and his partner were sort of doing as such the, the, the transfer of money from Lordship Credit Union. The money was going to be moved. Yeah. And they would pitch up in exactly the same way, really, that... Um, like, it's very routine procedure when for the movement of money for guards to come along and, and sort of monitor it. Um, you know, that they they... A precautionary measure. I mean, it wasn't an intelligence op- operation that they knew that that. But in exactly the same way that Garda Jerry McCabe um, was, yeah. you know, they were on a cash and transit. Yeah, job, I mean, I, I think, think at the time, weren't they? Yeah, at a, t- at a certain back. stage. Now, I think that this has changed now, and it could be wrong. That might mm. have to be corrected. But at some point, and um, because of the, the the regularity of these raids. Almost any amount of money that was over a certain amount that was being used was given uh, Garda escorts. So it was very, it is very, it was very routine. I think it's less routine now. There's less money being moved physically for sure. So it wasn't one of these intelligence operations where, you know, that the the Guardian knew something was coming. It was a very much a standard. uh, Totally standard. And it was kind of in in the, the, the late evening. It happened. Um... The, I was up at the scene the following morning and Lordship is outside Dundalk. It's minutes literally from the border and you're able to see how the gang who had carried it out had shot off up these sort of a very narrow street and were over the border literally within minutes. It it, it was the first thing that caused a huge delay and a problem with the investigation Um. They were gone, like they were gone across the border. There were suspicions about who they were, but it was a case that was a slow build. And uh, the National Bureau of Criminal Investigation were involved from early on. And I think a member of that bureau was put full time on it almost kind of like on a solo towards the end. Because what happened was there had been a series of these creeper burglaries into homes. Cars had been stolen and they had then subsequently been used in ram raids both sides of the the border. Yeah. Not ram raids, armed robberies both sides of the border on... um, But there was a series as well. Not necessarily these are the exact same people, but Mm. there was a series of uh, ATM robberies as well were going Mm. on. The creeper burglaries are where, um, you know, the, the... 
rather than hot wiring cars or whatever, which become very, very difficult to modern cars, they, the, the, the raiders steal the keys from the home yeah. and literally drive away in them. Yes. So at this point, um, they take the cars, they would park them up somewhere hidden. Yeah. And then they would change the reg on them, use yeah. them as part of these robberies and probably burn them afterwards. Burn them afterwards. Um, and yeah, it's part of the process of the planning yeah. of, of a robbery. Yeah. So, I mean, these, these, there was a kind of a new generation of, of criminal had sprung up around the border area. There was a series of these crimes and this probably was the beginning of the end, actually, for, for people who were moving between the borders. Um, mm. You know, obviously, if if there there is circumstances where Gardaí can go across the border or the PSNI, but as we heard with the Regency, it's a very, very complicated procedure. These are totally different jurisdictions. Um you know, they're, they're, it's not routine that, that they can be policed. It's like as if it's made for criminality in this country, the border. I mean, they yeah. just, the criminals don't see it. It's an invisible. Yeah, but it's also. And yet they use it. Yeah, they use it um, because obviously the guards can't just pursue you up to yeah. Belfast or they have to then radio in. They have to get. Yes, and I have to take it up on the other side. Yeah, there has yeah. to be permissions and mm. sharing of information, which is all becomes more and more complicated in the modern world. So that's the context in which this crime occurred. Um, obviously, then in the aftermath, there was ultimately a car was found burnt out. So they would have known, the gang would have known that the police were going to be there. Yeah. And when they, um, you know, when the money was been moved from the credit union, there was five of them, wasn't there? And a, there was and five a of sixth them, yeah. was a, a getaway driver. Yeah. Um, and not all have been brought before the courts, although oh. a number of them have. Yeah. And have been convicted in relation to the the robbery. Um, Aaron Brady's the only one convicted, convicted in relation yes. to the murder. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, so the, the explanation for the shooting of... Well, Aaron I think Donahue Gardner Donoghue, did he, did he not get out and sort of go to speak to them? Yeah, but I mean, they would have been, they were believed this gang to have carried out, members of the gangs have carried out a lot of robberies. They would have yeah. been in a situation that they could have been over the border in a few minutes and away. Yeah. And they just didn't need to do it. No, they didn't need to do it. And obviously there has been no explanation why he was shot with a shotgun, you know. Mm. Um, and there may never be if somebody panicked or somebody had an agenda or, you know, we we, we can't know. Yeah. Um, beyond somebody confessing to the crime and telling their own, giving a motive, it's just not clear. But either way, he was, you know, shot mm -hmm. at close range with a shotgun and the person murdered him because you're going to know shooting somebody like that, that that is the consequence of, you know, murder is Absolutely. the consequence, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think in the aftermath, there, there um, it wasn't uh, like there wasn't straight away suspects was there or oh, there yeah, was I remember here I remember having all those names within a couple of days yeah yeah definitely there were suspects because the gang were you know known to have been carrying out these kind of robberies there was a bit of an MO to it it was yeah. similar this wasn't something that was they didn't believe it was kind of an outsider no. gang or something random or anything like it it was the similar MO the getaway driver the moving out of the jurisdiction within minutes of the crime. And in this case, I think when it eventually came to court, a lot of it relied on circumstantial evidence, including the fact that all the phones went dead at the point of the robbery. Yeah, so this is part of the campaign uh, 
that you see and it's been repeated by other supporters of Aaron Brady on social media that there is no uh, the, there's no smoking gun and that he has been convicted alone on circumstantial evidence. Mm. And this is obviously given as a kind of a condemnation of this of the conviction that it's just circumstantial evidence. But it's a well-established procedure in Irish law that people can be convicted of murder on circumstantial evidence. We've just gone through the Regency trial where, again, the state was bringing a case based on circumstantial evidence. It's Somehow it's been put up as this isn't, you can't convict people on this. But of course you can and people do get convicted of circumstantial evidence. We've spoken about these cases many times. Freddie Thompson is a classic. Rain Dwyer, Joe yeah. O'Reilly, just yeah. to pick out some of the most famous murder trials mm. in, 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 in Irish history. Circumstantial, something being circumstantial does not rule it out. Um, what the state have to show is that there's a web of circumstances, not just a single piece of circumstantial evidence, but there's enough of different pieces of circumstantial evidence to build a case that cannot be, that there cannot be any other explanation and therefore can be beyond reasonable doubt. And obviously there's different people say different things in terms of supporters of Aaron Brady, but I did hear that. Uh, said that this is this 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 means the conviction should be null and void, but it, of course it just doesn't under any reading of Irish law. And part of the, the case against Aaron Brady was that he went to the states and boasted about what he'd done, that he went on nights out, and that he he often spoke about the fact that he had killed a guard, and that he kind of made admissions while. Yeah, I mean there was there was witnesses produced in court, um, two witnesses. Uh, one of them, uh, a Dublin guy called uh, Daniel Cahill and a girl also called um, uh, Molly Staunton. So both of those spoke, rather than go into the very ins and outs of it, but they both spoke about uh, Aaron Brady uh, speaking about it. It was described in, in by the prosecution as wearing the, the murder of Garda Adrian Dunahue as a badge of honour over in, in the US because shortly after... Um, Shortly after the, the the real investigation began, of course, Aaron Brady uh, left the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he he first went to to Boston, and then ultimately ended up in the Bronx. Um, and while he was in the Bronx, he was living in uh, in, a, in a place called Woodlawn, where there was a lot of Irish immigrants, um, and he was spending a lot of time drinking in in a local bar there. And this is where the evidence came out of. Uh, two people who knew him from mm-hmm. the bar. They spoke about various incidents, not to get into it, in specifically um, occasions where he had one occasion where it was described he'd broken down and admitted it, um, other occasions where he sort of bragged about it and and maybe uh, had been in a fight and sort of described this as something to threaten the person who who he'd been fighting with. Um, those people were ultimately dealt, uh, those witnesses were ultimately presented to the court through the US uh, law officials. So they kind of witnessed, uh, took the witness statements initially mm-hmm. with the assistance of the Gardaí. Um, now, of course, the Arm Brady campaign, uh, you know, has said deals were done and in, for these, but those people stood up in court and gave and gave evidence. Aaron Brady is appealing his conviction and that appeal is due to be heard in October. But he's also, him and a co-accused Dean Byrne, is charged with conspiring to persuade a state witness not to testify during his trial for the murder of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue. And they didn't want those two sort of cases to collide. So 
um, the appeal is going to be heard first. Um, now, he's also accused of recording the playing of a video of a witness being interviewed by the Gardaí and thus embarking upon, I'm going to read this because it's quite a complex charge, thus embarking on a course to pervert the course of public justice between February the 20th, um, 2020 and May 7th, 2022. That was during his trial. Uh, during his trial, the court was told the video of Mr. Cahill yeah. uh, telling Gardy that he'd heard Brady admitting to murdering a guard was circulated on social media. Yeah. Um, so that is there and that has to be heard and he presumably could get another sentence. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, already... Thrown I think onto he's, that, if found guilty of that. Yeah. Um, the trial judge, Justice Michael White, described the dissemination of the video as the most outrageous contempt of court and a deliberate attempt to intimidate the witness Yeah. Um, and others who were to give evidence. Now, these cases are all before the Special Criminal Court, so there's no jury there. No. Um, Obviously, they've yet to be convicted. I mean, there's other cases going through the courts currently. Um, Aaron Brady's father, who's been at the front of this campaign, even recently was removed from or asked to leave one of the courts by a judge. Yeah. Sort of an associated case um, because he had been making these videos and the judge was unhappy about him commenting directly on live on live cases. So what I don't get is like, so I didn't realize this was there. Now I do because it was he was referring and he was, you know, he was. you know, referring to myself and my journalism and all the rest of it. So I did watch some of it. But what is the point of it? Because there's an appeal going through the courts. It's not like some sort of an online social campaign is going to have anybody freed or going to overturn the course of justice of a court. It's going to not going to cause the overturning of a conviction. I don't it's sort of old school. I mean, I don't know, I suppose Um, it is. uh, Look, I mean, it's it's. Of course, it's it's not going to. You would think it's not going to endear you to the to the state to be, uh, for example, for his father to be subject to judges' criticism in a separate case. I mean, a lot of. I'm sure it's heartfelt. Uh, I mean, is to is this campaign suggesting that Aaron Brady was fitted up by the state in in the same way campaigns in the past would have been put in place for you know the Guildford. Yeah, I mean, I think that is exactly... Convicts and that kind of thing. Is it that sort of old school? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, um, we see a lot of these, more of these sort of campaigns in the north of Ireland. Um, You know, obviously it's clear that they're saying that the the, the state has stitched them up. They've focused on a number of particular things. And why would the state have done that? Is there any explanation for that? Well, not not particular. I mean, I'm sure there Singled is. I haven't. I haven't looked Singled him out. This guy from Cross McGlen and, and decided they were, he was going to get fitted up for the murder of a Garda. Well, I don't know. And yeah. I suppose there's look in in certain parts of Cross McGlen. There's been a history of 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 you know a dirt. They they were at the centre of a dirty war by the British state mm. to an extent. And um, whether any of that stuff rings true down here. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's attracted a certain amount of, for example. It's kind of alien to us down here, maybe, does it or something? Well, I mean, look, there are certainly there's miscarriages of justice have gone on, but I don't know if it's a particularly, like the state presented a certain type of case, mm. a circumstantial case. Um, there are, uh, there obviously was a witness uh, who suggested the person who shot Gardadian Dunyu was six foot um, and that's, as you said, a key part of the campaign. Aaron Brady is five foot seven. Um, but 
as you'll know if you sit through cases, any case where you know witnesses are telling the truth, they recall what they recall. Mm. And any time a witness gives evidence, there will be a degree of inconsistency. Like that has been my experience of sitting through. Mine too, there is no perfect witness. No, and the ones that are are, are no inconsistency, because that's human memory. Yeah. Like you don't remember no. what happened last week with, you know, completely accurate detail. You just don't. So if you sit in court and you'll hear witnesses being cross-examined and they will... The, the barristers will find sort of holes in what they mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, whether whether that, the court look at that in, in, in an overall picture and come to a conclusion that that doesn't just rely on a single bit of detail. The other, the campaign also focuses on some of the CCTV, which again, it, by its nature, it's unclear. Yeah. It, it doesn't determine anything in particular. Another part of the prosecution case was the fact that Aaron Brady repeatedly lied. Um, he, 10 days after the murder, he first presented himself to the, to the guardie to try and clear up the rumors, as he said. Um, and then he spoke to Gardy again and he gave evidence in court. And each time there was inconsistencies and lies. Um, ultimately, he came to say that he was involved in, in fuel laundering. And as you said, at a certain point uh, before and after the murder, there's uh, what's described as a black hole of phone contact Mm-hmm. suspects all of their phones are off none of them are used and in a way because i do recall as the investigation was continuing while that seemed like the clever thing to do because yeah. obviously the gps on the phones is what can link you to a yeah. particular area especially going over the border and stuff but it was that this sort of synchronized phones going dead that pretty much sort of showed the picture of who was in the gang. Yeah, well, I mean, that's you know certainly... I mean? It did the very opposite nearly during the early days of the investigation. Yeah, and Aaron Brady's explanation was that he was involved in, in fuel laundering or he was doing something around fuel laundering at the time and therefore, you know, that's where he was and that's why he lied initially. Yeah. That he didn't want to admit to that. Um, so, I mean, that's... The, the prosecution case in, in the cases of... Brendan Trainer and James Flynn as well. Mm. Um, they in during their cases, it was described that it was a gang of at least five people with good local knowledge. Yeah, that was the state's case, the Garda case, really, that targeted the Lordship Credit Union for the robbery, um, and that they, you know, had been in touch with one another. Yeah, on the phones, they had scoped out Lordship. Yeah. Aaron Brady was one of those named as as one who scoped out Lordship. They had actually sort of created a situation that they called the guards to James Flynn's home um, just to see how long they took to get there, to kind of see their reaction time. bit sort of like uh, what we have been talking with in recent times that the general did in Rusborough House. Um, and that they had stolen this Volkswagen Passat some days before and that it was to be used in this robbery. So it yeah. was pre-planned. Yeah, so there was... And there was they were seen making movements in this Passat uh, a couple of days before, which was obviously the scoping out procedure. Yeah. So, I mean, all of these things, and there, there is CCTV there, you know, the, the not always fully clear, but again, it's not... The case doesn't stand or fall on any one of these single things. No. It's, it's the same case we saw in the Regency where... It's a bit of the picture 
and it's built up, you know. And there was a really intricate uh, picture and mapping done of the creeper burglaries, any CCTV that was available around them. Um, of other robberies, there was certainly more than 10 robberies identified that they were believed to yeah. have conducted by this gang. And the Guardi investigating it painstakingly went through every little bit of that to try yeah. and create a picture of what this gang were doing. I mean, it must be very hard to be investigating the murder of one of your own. Very hard to separate yourself, really. Yeah. I mean, we know ourselves how we feel when a journalist is attacked, yeah. whether you know the individual or not, you sort of feel so connected to them. Um, and I'm sure for the Gardaí, there's no doubt you'd go the extra mile. Yeah. Not that you wouldn't in a, in any no, murder but investigation, I mean, they, but I think... They made the resources available. Yeah. I mean, it was tried in a, a court that is in, in a way designed to absorb that technical evidence. Um, there was defences given... Uh, and he was convicted, mm. and those that will be appealed, and that will be which he's entitled to do, which he's entitled appeal. to do, yeah. and he will either be, um, he may bring up how the witnesses in the U.S. how they were treated, was their deals done, and all of that. But I mean, what the campaign will do is to make to to mm. to 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 make that happen. It's very hard to see. Um, it may be more of a PR campaign, I suppose, in terms of, you know, the Aaron Bradian perception within his local community. I don't know. Mm. Um, certainly, it's attracted some uh, people like Gemma O'Doherty, for example. Go on, I mean, tell us about that. Well, she described it as the greatest miscarriage of justice in the history of the Irish state, as far as I know. Right, you I mean, can you can tell us about Gemma O'Doherty. Well, I mean, who doesn't know her because, of course, she was pre formerly a journalist. She was form, yeah, and she described herself as a journalist still yeah, to this I day. Mean, but she was she used to work in uh, in this building. Yeah, and of course, the um, she's she's become a, a vocal uh, supporter of Aaron Brady, but I mean, it's a track. You know, Gemma, who is she and what does she do? Well, Gemma O'Doherty, uh, in the last maybe a couple of years, we've seen her. Um, she was one of the leading anti-vaccine campaigners. Um, she brought a series of challenges against the state around uh, the lockdown. Um, she has also been, uh, I mean, most recently, the Sunday World carried a story about her, um, you know, expressing views on the Holocaust, let's put it that way, um, you know. What were the views? Well, the views were that the basic tenor of the views would be that the Holocaust was 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 a hoax and that the numbers are not correct and that, you know, it's, it's Hitler is misunderstood and, you know, various views like that. She also has... Very alternative views. Well, of. let's, let's put it mildly, like, you know, yeah. they're, they're, you know, and so, I mean... And why does somebody like Gemma O'Doherty link into the likes of a campaign for the freedom of Aaron Brady? Like, how is well, that it's, connection it's, made? It's, I think it's a general sense that the state is an oppressive thing that mm. does engage in conspiracies. Uh, she certainly believes that the state engages in conspiracies against, uh, as she would describe them, Irish people. Um, and so therefore you have somebody and a family that are very vocally saying that this is a, con a conspiracy and a stitch up. And then that attracts people like Gemma O'Doherty who believe that's, that is what the state does. Mm. Um, and what, what's the benefit for 
a campaign for the freedom of Aaron Brady with being linking in with Gemma Doherty? Like, what I, is their I, benefit? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a certain point. They, you know, maybe they 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 thank anybody getting involved. I don't have a clue. Mm. I don't speak for them, but you know, that's 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 where we're at with that. Mm. Um, There's an element of it's one of those stories, the Aaron Brady one, that sometimes when you report on it, you get a pile on. Yeah. There's a few of those stories out there, there that you get. Um, I think journalists are more and more becoming used to just ignoring those pylons. You'll either block individuals or you just ignore it and, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, I actually saw an, with an interesting interview with him, with, with Aaron Brady's dad, where he was sort of saying that he admitting his son was no angel because he had been involved in stuff, in turn, including like ramming a uh, guard a car and Dundalk yeah. and, you know, just saying, you know, that he, he wouldn't have done this. And maybe that's what he believes and it's sincere and and all of that. Um, but, you know, the fact is that, like anything, it's a court of law. The evidence is heard. Mm. And that is the ultimate judgment that we have as a society to make. And he will get a chance to appeal it and bring those points of law to to uh, to the courts again. Um, really, like you have to look at at um, Adrian Donahue's family, mm. who spoke outside really, really movingly. His 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 wife in particular, and think that that is where your sympathy has to go. Mm. Um, a man who deserved nothing like this a family who deserved nothing like this to happen to them um and that it's easy to look at some of this and look at the kind of almost cartoony aspects to it and forget that there is a grieving family and that you even know, these campaigns where i'm not saying they're mm. directed at that family but these things must be hard for them oh, to I was hear to say that it must be very hard for them to know it's out there and it's you know it's ongoing but you know lordship I'm sure that community was destroyed by that as well. I'm sure the ripple effect that has had um, any time I drive through it, I just think of them, you know, you look across the road from Lordship, beautiful, actually beautiful area, beautiful view um, down over the green hills, beautiful little graveyard on a little crook of a hill going out down the road. And his children were in school, in the national school opposite where he was murdered. Yeah. yeah. And his wife was a Garda. Yeah. And I think she actually um, stopped working Ultimately. in the aftermath of it. I don't know whether she could face going back to work, but left there like with your whole future completely and utterly like annihilated yeah. by such an act of pointless, senseless. Um, yeah, just, know, just, just for, for, to, no a, bell, sav a savage act. Savage you know. act. And the kids, I mean, they're... You know, if you try and put yourself in the shoe, you can't run away from it. You have to because that's where you have your community wrapped around you, where your children have the familiarities of the school, of their friends. You know, you might feel like wanting to just never going back there again. So you have to make yourself stay there, live there um, for the sake of the kids. And yet you have to pass that place every day, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's horrendous. It's 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 so sad, so tragic and everything, I suppose, to anybody who's lost somebody a loved one in the family tragically or early you know every occasion yeah every single occasion they're missing yeah and unfortunately you see these this this these things people i don't know if they actually get closure from a conviction some people say they do some people say they don't mm. but i suppose these ongoing uh, bursts of publicity 
uh, must be very difficult on the family either way, mm. even if that's not the intention of the people running this campaign. Yeah. So that appeal is happening in October. So I suppose we leave it until then. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free SundayWorld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.